Did you know that while we are sitting here right now, that someone that we as a church actively support is teaching the Word of God in Mongolia? Did you know that someone that normally sits somewhere right over in here yesterday or today, which for us was last night, has been preaching in the Ukraine? Did you know that? When we really start intentionally becoming a church that exercises intentionality in all the things mentioned in that Acts chapter 2 passage that we're going to look at, we will intentionally impact not just Blairsville, but the whole world. The more that I travel for missions, my years on the mission field in South America, the more that I talk to pastors and missions pastors, as recently as two weeks ago with a young mission pastor over in Oxford, Mississippi, the churches that express themselves the best locally are the churches that best express themselves globally. When there is a balance, when they know how to do the one, they know how to send to the other and how to send their own and support them, pray for them. So this morning, I want to open us up in prayer, but I also want to pray for Brian McKenna and Bob Crow. I also want to take a moment to say thank you to this church for your welcoming of Celia Schoen as she is raising funds to go to Somewhere's Landia. In other words, I'm not going to say over an open mic and a recording where she's going to do medical missions. We'll call it Somewhere's Landia. So continue to pray for her as she raises the necessary monthly support to be able to do that. Tina and I know what that entails and the faith that it builds. So when she goes to the field and things happen, she'll be able to look back and say, God brought me here through the intentional giving of people, ministering alongside of me by giving. I have the time and the talent, and they have the treasure, and together we're doing God's ministry in the world. She will look back on this time and say, that is how I know that God is going to take me through whatever comes up. So thank you for welcoming her and supporting her. That means a lot. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you now in just these brief minutes. I would ask an empowering of your Holy Spirit not just on me as a speaker, but on this group of precious people as listeners. May you bring us in tune with your will so that what we pray and ask for will be according to your will. And then you, of course, will say, absolutely, yes, let's do it. 
Help us to grow in grace. In this moment, give us grace to learn. In the precious name of your Son, our Savior, amen. As Matthew mentioned, we're starting a series on being intentional, being intentional in how we do things as a church. And this morning, we're going to look at evangelism, but as introduction, I want you, as we read again the Acts 2 passage, to see all the different things that they talk about in there. And we're going to talk about each of those, but each sermon will bleed a little bit into the other one. So if you hear me talking about fellowship, maybe um, I'm not preaching that sermon. That's going to come down the road and will be a lot more in detail and full. But I do want to warn you of that. One thing that occurred to me this week as I was praying through this and thinking about this and going over it was a word of caution to me. And it's some place that I want to be really careful when I'm talking about evangelism. Because evangelism is talking about the gospel. The caution for me as a speaker when I talk about this is that I never want to make a true believer doubt what has actually happened to them. Sometimes, especially new believers, they hear something and they say, well, I didn't know that, so maybe I'm not saved. Because I didn't know that when I accepted the Lord. Maybe I need to do it again. Let me say this to you this morning. If you hear something that you've never understood or heard before, and you're a Christian, you are going to have all of eternity to learn about what happened to you on the day Christ saved you. You know why? Because you're going to need all of eternity to learn about all the things that Christ did on the day He saved you. Isn't that wonderful? For those of you that have wondered, will I ever... Run out of things to do in heaven. <laughs> we have a really big God. And it's going to take a whole lot longer than eternity to get to know Him. But we will. And if that doesn't kind of make you come, Lord, come quick. I don't know what will. We have an eternity to learn about an eternal God. That's one caution. But the other caution is I don't want to water anything down to the point so that someone who is here, who is not saved, but thinks they are walking in, has any doubt when they leave. That they walk out of here saying, you know, I am not saved. Or better yet, they say, I can't walk out of here not saved. But those are the things that I am reminded of today. I never want to make a true believer doubt. And I never want a true unbeliever to not doubt. I want them to have to deal with it. 
You ever had something great happen to you by accident? You ever been going along and doing something and everything? You ever had one of those days that everything just falls into place? And you didn't mean to do it. But it looks like you are absolutely the best at whatever at that moment. When I was a kid, and I, my kids, two of my kids are sitting here today. They'll remember me doing this to them as well. But when I was a kid growing up, my dad put up a, a basketball backboard and, and rim at the edge of our driveway in the backyard where we could play basketball. And one day when I was probably eight, maybe nine, he came out and he said, give me the ball. I want to show you something. So I threw in the ball and my dad said, let me tell you something. I can make this basketball go in that basket any time I want to. And of course, I'm like, oh, you got to prove that. He said, I can. I can do it anytime I want. And he'd rear back, and the first time he did it, he went right in. I was like, wow. He really did it. I said, do it again. He said, okay, I'll do it again. And he reared back, and he let go, and that thing bricked. Didn't even hit the rim. It looked like a brick going through the air. It was horrible. And I said, I, I knew you couldn't do it. He said, I just didn't want to. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, no, my point was, is that I can make it any time I want to. And that time I didn't want to. Oh, come on, Dad. But that's the way sometimes things happen. It looks like you wanted to, to make it happen like you intentionally made it happen, but it really wasn't. It was an accident. We've had some good years at First Baptist Church. Did you know that it wasn't that long ago that we had almost 1,500 members? And as our current administration has shared with us, with speaking to the, some previous administrations of this church. Those administrations have come to a startling realization, and they've talked about it back and forth, that the growth was not intentional. It just happened. Now, from the outside, and maybe even from standing right here, it looked really good. But it was accidental. People were just coming. They would hear things about the church and they would come. Those aren't my words. Those are words from pastors and former pastors at First Baptist Church of Blairsville. They said they never pursued intentionality. They opened the doors. People were coming in. It looked good and it was great. When it comes to doing, the doing of the Word of God, should it be accidental? Not only can I safely say, no, it should not, I'm in good company. Peter, Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Jesus said, be intentional 
about the gospel. Let us be purposeful in knowing and doing of what God has designed, not just our church, but His church all the way around the world to do. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. I just want to read that again very quickly. Verses 40 through 47. And let's find the five purposes that Christ meant for his church. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Evangelism. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, discipleship, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Several kinds of fellowship mentioned there. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Fellowship. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Fellowship leading to ministry. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Honda. No, I'm sorry. Accord. You know, a Honda Accord and a, and a Triumph are the only biblical cars in the Bible. Moses went up the hill in a Triumph and all the disciples were in one accord. So... There you go. Some, some good automotive doctrine from, from Eric Van Pelt. That, that's not in Fred's notes, so don't worry about it. Ministry from fellowship. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. Worship. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The purpose of evangelism is to add to our fellowship. It is to see people come to a real saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's be real careful in how we define fellowship. And we're going to talk about that a lot more. But the end purpose of fellowship is not for us to keep our little groups. Well, we like these few people over here. The purpose of, a fellow, of, of evangelism is to grow our fellowship. Did you notice when I read those passages how many times fellowship was interspersed throughout there? Doctrine. Fellowship. Evangelism. Fellowship, ministry from fellowship, worship, fellowship. Isn't that interesting? And we're going to look at a whole lot more than that. But I do want to say this morning that if you are totally fine with your little group and you don't want to see that little group change and you don't want to see that little group grow, watch out. Be very careful. That is a sinful attitude. I'll say that again. That is sin. Because you 
are saying, I do not want to grow my fellowship through evangelism. And we are to be about telling people God's good news. We are to be announcing the kingdom. Fellowship that is confined to me and my family or friends is not godly fellowship. Fellowship and confined are never together in the Bible. Preaching, 3,000 souls added, more fellowship. Studying doctrine together, more fellowship. Evangelism, more fellowship. Ministry out of fellowship, more fellowship. Praising God, worship, more fellowship. Are you seeing a theme? Let's get intentional in our evangelism. Fellowship must be always inclusive in reaching out to others to add to our group, to our church. Because God's purpose for His church is evangelism. It is to make known who He is and what He has done. Fellowship and worship. We as the family of this local body of believers are to be doing this intentionally. Are we? As I said, in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at all of this. Let's start this week with evangelism and let's start saying, you know, we did that on purpose. We did that on purpose. There's a story told about a man who went before a judge after committing a crime. And I think it's a pretty good story. And the judge says, uh, sir, do you have a lawyer? And the guy says, well, no, I don't. Do I really need one? And the judge says, yes, and if you can't afford it, I'll get you a really good one. And the guy looks at the judge and he says, well, if you're going to get me some, somebody that's really good, could, could you get me a couple of really good witnesses instead? Because that, that's what I really need. I, I really need some good witnesses. I, you know, if I got some good witnesses, I may not need a real good lawyer. Who else said something like that? Who else said, I want some really good witnesses? Think about it. What is a witness? There's somebody that talks about what they saw. There's somebody that talks about how it impacted them. And it's somebody that tells the truth. And it's never about them. It's about what they saw. A good witness is one who knows something firsthand through their experience and who can bring the truth to the light. You know, God has never said or asked or in any way, shape, or form alluded to, 
I need a couple of good lawyers. But he has said, I want my people to be good witnesses. Wayne Arne, a church consultant, I'm just going to read real quick some of the things he's come up with, once surveyed members in about a thousand churches asking this question, why does the church exist? These are church people. 89% said the church's purpose is to take care of me and my family's needs. 89%. said the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. If that doesn't show us the basic nature of the problem of lack of intentionality toward evangelism, nothing else will. Those are people that don't have a proper view of God. Let me go to the store, I mean church, and get what I need. Let me go to the buffet, get what I want, instead of saying, how can I better reach those around me and then all the way around the world? And we as a church need to be about preparing us to do just that and to become intentional in our evangelism. You see, we're not, not going to be a successful church if we don't align, align ourselves with God's purpose for the church. We have to be intentional. Mark 1, 14 and 15 say this. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The purpose of evangelism is telling good news. That's clearly pointed out in Scripture. It's an announcement. Acts 14, 15 says, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Evangelism should never be by accident but always on purpose. Have you ever seen in those verses that I just read, do you think God made the heavens, the earth, the sea, the things in them? Do you think he went, oh, did I just do that? Can you imagine God doing that? Oh, wow. That came out better than I thought. No, everything God has ever done is on purpose. We should be like that. Your Christianity should never be lived out as an accident. Our words and life actions must promote the truth of the gospel. The truth of who Jesus Christ is. Let's take a moment and define um, these terms a little bit. And then I've got three very quick points and we'll be done. Evangelism, and this is what we want to leave you with, and this is what you're going to hear over and over again, is the intentional act of sharing the gospel with a person who is lost. The intentional act of sharing the gospel with a person who is lost. This happens corporately through worship and preaching, and personally 
through folks sharing their story of coming to faith in Christ and the gospel that saved them. That is a direct quote from our pastor. I am giving it to you just as he has given it to me. We herald the king. He is king. That's the announcement. That's where the word comes from. Evangelion. That's the Greek word. Announcement of good news. Beser in the Hebrew. When somebody would go out into battle like Jehoshaphat and went out to do the battle, the word after that was over, the word beser, beser, literally meant, meant the king, Jehoshaphat, is still the king. This is the kingdom. We know that in that age period, the divided kingdom, that that word was not used very well. The kingdom went into shambles. And that's why Isaiah and other prophets started yelling. Besurah, Besurah. We're announcing a coming kingdom. The real kingdom is coming. And then Jesus shows up and he continues that and says, The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. If I am with you, the kingdom is here. It's an announcement. And Jesus said, and this kingdom's going to be forever, and it's going to be different. It's going to be signified, it's going to be seen, it's going to be defined by an outrageous love and generosity. Outrageous love and generosity. And Jesus didn't just speak that, did he? His generosity and forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What an outrageous act of generous forgiveness and love. That he would put himself on the cross for me. And his kingdom is forever. Do I need to say that again? There was, there was no response there. His kingdom is forever. Amen. On the way down to Florida, I saw something interesting, a license plate that said, God wins. And I kind of went, huh. That's like saying God had competition. God won. It's already done. It is finished. He's never had any competition. There is no one that could ever stand on the same court as him. He's God. Now, I get what the people are trying to say. I'm, I'm, I was not upset by that. It's a perspective that we have from this side. That we are on the winning side. I say amen to that. But I want to make it clear, God doesn't win 
as if there was any competition. Satan is a created, not all-powerful, not all-knowing, not all-present being. He tries to come across that way, but our intentional evangelism is to tell the world the truth. Evangelism happens when we speak intentionally. Evangelism happens when we speak intentionally. That's the first of my three quick points. As I said, it means to announce good news, to declare glad tidings of the gospel. It is never, we should never use it like, okay, we're going to have a conference to evangelize people. No, evangelize. It's who we are. Be intentional. It should be your life. 1 Thessalonians says this, for you, you, let me try that again. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. You're not doing this to please people. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you that a lot of times when you evangelize, they're not going to be pleased by it. Paul says, yeah, that's the way it is. But we do it intentionally. And we do it this way. No deceit. Because witnesses are to tell the truth. Everything we say has to reflect Christ. And has to reflect that born again relationship that we are in with him. And going down and skipping down to Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not use the words of men. We got some awful good words we can use. They come from guys who God inspired to write using their personality, their experiences, their gifts, to write the very words of God. And they did so. William MacDonald, let me just read this from William MacDonald, warns, the modern day evangelistic process is cut down to a few basic questions and answers of belief that de-emphasizes repentance, conviction of sin, the lordship of Christ, and discipleship. We don't want to do that. Let's be intentional in our words. People are sinners. Guess what? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. But God, through His grace, His matchless grace, saved me. And I say, the kingdom is here and it is forever. Tell people that. 
Evangelism happens when we intentionally care. This is the second point. It happens when we intentionally care. Evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel with a person who is lost. And one way to do that is how we care for those who are lost. Evangelism is much more than words. Are we caring for the lost? Remember, as part of the gospel, as part of the announcement of the kingdom, what did Jesus say? Those old guys back there in the law said, love your friends and hate your enemies. And I say to you, love your friend, love your enemies. And if your enemy needs something, give it to him. If a Roman soldier says, carry this pack a mile, you carry it too. Because as long as you got his pack, you are showing that you care about him as a person. And guess what? you now have a right to relationship to speak to him. And as long as you're carrying that pack, I bet you he'll let you speak. Speaking without caring is typically pretty worthless. We have to care. It's been said that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care, and that is so true. And we can see this in the early church. They cared for each other. Ministry that came out of fellowship, that caused more fellowship. Listen to how Paul cared for the Thessalonians. Thessalonians 2, 5 through 12. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. God is too. How devotely and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Verse 7, gentle. Verse 8, affectionate. Verse 10, devoted, justly, blameless. 11, as a father exhorts and comforts and charges. Is the way you treat others recommend your faith to others? Let me ask that question again. Does the way you, and let me stop and make that personal. Eric, does the way I treat others recommend to them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I caring? Are we intentionally caring about people? 
We could go to the Good Samaritan. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that he ever spoke a word to the injured man. But look at the impact that the Good Samaritan had on not just on that man who needed it, but on the innkeeper. And now, uh, probably billions of people have heard this story. He cared. And our last point, evangelism happens when we serve intentionally. Again, evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel with a person who is lost. How do we serve the lost? I've mentioned those from our congregation who are around the world serving the lost. We get to do that here too. What's your motivation? If you think that you're going to actually care about people, and that you're actually going to share with them, and that you're actually going to speak with them because you feel guilty because of what I've said here today, no, you haven't heard the gospel. You have not heard the announcement. If you are here today and you have been saved, Our motivation is thank you, thank you, thank you. It's not that I have to, it's I get to. Because I want other people to realize the truth of the gospel and come to that point where they say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me go tell somebody so they can say thank you and tell somebody, thank you. That's the motivation. The scriptural motivation for sharing the gospel. How much we care says how much we will serve. So ask yourself this question. How is your service? 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. If you are a believer, this word will work in you effectively. And your motivation will change. It's not a checklist. We're not talking about fulfilling the law. We're talking about reaching out to others the same way someone reached out to us in grace. In grace. Do not ever let it become selfish. It's of God, it's by God, it's through God, it's for God, not for ourselves. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let us serve, let us care. And let us speak 
Be intentional. The mode of evangelism is what Christ has done for us. Out of our love relationship with him, we get to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost neighborhood. Store. People in and out of the store with a lost world. It's not enough. This is one thing that has really bothered me is when I hear, but that was the early church. That, that, that worked for them. You know why it worked for them? Because they were intentionally biblical. We can be just like that. We are called to be just like that. We are supposed to be just like that. Are we being intentional? What does God want? A couple of good witnesses. Let's go out of here and say evangelism. I'm going to do that on purpose. Next week, let's say evangelism. I did that on purpose. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to the end of this message and the end of this time together. May your word run wild through us. Not only in this building, but run wild through us in how we serve and how we care and how we speak. May we jump at the opportunity to announce Christ and his kingdom. May the gospel permeate us and exude from us. Father, I don't know through your Holy Spirit what you're doing in the lives of anybody sitting in this room. But I would ask, Father, that they would respond in obedience and love to what you're calling them to do. In your name I pray, amen.